0: Hello, good people. In this episode, we review a bit, then take you to other exciting lands. The myths of selling to the government. If you're using traditional sales techniques to sell to the government, you're doing it wrong. Rick Wimberly and Lauren Bristow have been selling and marketing to the government for years. Quite successfully, thank you. They're authors of Seven Myths of Selling to Government, available on Amazon. The podcast is brought to you by Government Selling Solutions, a consultancy helping companies sell to the government. Now, here's Rick. Thanks. We've covered a good bit of ground since the first episode. Seems like this would be a good time to review a bit and get ready to cover some new territory. So far, we've dealt with the first of seven myths from our book, Seven Myths of Selling to Government. That myth, as hopefully you'll recall, RFPs drive government business. We don't think that's true. It's really relationships. Yes, there will be RFPs, bids, solicitations, whatever name they're given. They're all designed to give anyone a shot at winning a government contract. Most government purchases over a certain dollar value, a value that can vary from place to place, are made after a competitive solicitation, like an RFP. We think competition is fine, But the time to really tackle the competition is well before the RFP is issued, and we think the only way to do that is through building relationships. By building relationships, you get in front of the RFP, not behind it. Remember earlier when we told you the story about a client who wins an amazing percentage of the RFPs they submit, over 80%. Then we mention a company that has a 10% win rate. Other than differences in the win rates, the companies are a lot alike. They sell technology contracts, often six figures and more. They have good products and tell their stories well. But the 80%er only, only responds to RFPs when they have an established relationship and a good handle on what the customer really wants. The other company watches for RFPs to be issued, then goes to work. The 80%er gets ahead of the opportunity. The 10%er tries to come from behind. The 80%er is growing. The 10%er is not. We've tried to warn them. And here's why it works. Through a good relationship, you open the door so that you're in a position to find out what problems the prospect is really trying to solve. You identify their pain. Then, assuming you're able to help relieve the pain, the relationship allows you to demonstrate qualities and benefits that make your offering attractive. Plus, you may have a chance to influence the language of the technical specs. You won't be able to influence the process they follow or all of the legal mumbo-jumbo they'll use, but you can help the prospect communicate what they want in the RFP language. Most government buyers are open to this help. For one reason, they want to make sure they get what will help them solve their problem. And secondly, it's a tall order to communicate in writing some of the nuances of what they need. You may have some helpful suggestions. Since the government buying process is set up for a level playing field, and there's no whining and dining in the government space, You have to be creative in establishing the relationships. To establish the relationships, you'll need to build commitment and trust. Your prospects need to see that you are genuinely interested in helping solve their problems. And they're a bright bunch with a lot of passion behind their work. Those without it don't find themselves in a position to buy much. You need to show them that you're committed and can be trusted. When we conducted a study of top government sales performers, we found one of the common traits of a star was a genuine desire, even a need, to help other folks solve their problems. I'll go out on a limb and say that if you're not innately a problem solver, you're not going to be comfortable in the government space, and you're probably not going to be patient enough to see it through. Your sales cycle is going to be long, and there will be surprises along the way. If you're working to solve their problem, though, you're more likely to stick with it and get the nice rewards at the end. The rewards are not only the satisfaction of receiving an order. Heck, most of the time when I've received an order, even the commission, that wasn't the most rewarding part of the adventure. Does it sound right, does it? It's true. The rewards are also knowing that you've been successful in establishing relationships and emphasizing value, and that you've made some friends, and a long-term customer. Government buyers don't like to change vendors, even when you screw up. They're loyal and don't mind telling others good things about you. Um, Bad ones, too, if you deserve it. Plus, of course, you get the satisfaction of helping solving the problem for the government, our government. So, if you're that person who likes solving problems, how do you build commitment and trust? We're going to remind you of three of these strategies in a moment. Selling to government is not easy. But, man, can it be lucrative? The folks at Government Selling Solutions have had lots of success selling to government. They've figured out what really works and what doesn't. They like to help, so they offer sales training, capture team coaching, strategic and tactical planning assistance, and mentoring. Contact Government Selling Solutions, GovSelling.com. Getting government sold. Before the break, we asked, how do you build commitment and trust in the government space? Number one, discover and nurture shared values. Put yourself in a position to learn more about your prospects. Listen carefully. Look for those things where you share values. Don't fake it. It doesn't have to be something major. Just something where you and the prospect are on the same page. Oh, I almost forgot. Don't forget to document those shared values you've established so you won't forget them down the road. Number two, build a strong case for how you're providing relationship benefits and remind your prospects of those benefits. The relationship benefits include Knowledge and expertise. What can you do to share knowledge and expertise with your government prospects so you can make their lives easier and make them look good? Remember, no one buys things for the government in a vacuum. Not the mayor, not the president. Your prospects are going to have to demonstrate to other folks that their decisions are solid. You can help them by providing them with knowledge and expertise. It doesn't have to be self-serving for you. In fact, sometimes it shouldn't be. But it needs to be knowledge and expertise that helps them. Another relationship benefit, think about future gain. A prospect might want a relationship with you for something they might need in the future. Then there's network access. I might find it beneficial to have a relationship with you because of your connections, which may serve me down the road. Here's another fame and notoriety. Sure, snicker, but think about how cool you think it is when you know someone who's well known. Now, don't expect the relationship benefits to fall in your lap. You're going to have to look for the clues. Strategy three increase termination cost. You've built commitment, you've established trust, you've found shared values, you've made the relationship benefits clear. Now, Keep the relationship. Help the prospect know the termination cost. How? Well, you can write clauses in your contract that will spell out early termination costs. The customer may accept them. They may not. And you keep those relationship benefits alive. That'll help. But the best way to increase termination cost is do what you set out to do. Solve their problem. Keep your commitments and look for ways to exceed expectations. Listen carefully. Know what's going on even well after the order is signed. Now, perhaps that's what you should do in any space, but it's especially true in the government space. The government doesn't want to change vendors. Remember how hard it was for you to make them a customer? Well, it was equally difficult for them to make you a vendor. It's hard to buy stuff when you work for the government. Real hard. They don't want to change vendors. Keep those termination costs high, and they won't need to. In the next episode, we start myth number two. Cold calling is king. It's not. What is? Find out. Today's episode has been brought to you by Government Selling Solutions. Government Selling Solutions. Getting government sold. Thank you